Well, we're in a series called Less Stress, and uh, you're a guest today. We're glad to have you here. You may be wondering why in the world did they just sing that song at church? Well, we do that around here because we want to drive home a message. We want you to see what culture says to you. And then today I'm going to offer you a biblical solution because that kind of thinking right there is what culture says. I want money, money, money. And some of you, that's how you live your life and you're stressed out. Because can I tell you, that kind of thinking causes more stress instead of less stress. And we're talking to you over the next several weeks about having less stress in the financial arena. I've titled today's talk, One Thing. One Thing. I want to begin by asking you a question. What is your overall objective when it comes to money? You may have never really thought about that question. Well, what is your overall objective? Or, or, or in other words, what is your financial goal? What is the one thing, the one thing you're trying to accomplish when it comes to money? If you had to just narrow it down to one thing. Some of you would say, well, it's like that song, Herbert. It's about money, money, and I want to make as much money as possible. That's my goal, Herbert, in life. What I'm trying to do is make as much money as possible. And there's nothing wrong with making money. We ought to work a job. We ought to earn a living. But can I tell you, if that's your overall objective when it comes to money, that, that's too narrow of a goal. Because you can make a lot of money, but that doesn't mean you'll manage it right. You can make a lot of money and lose your family. So, so that, that, that can't be the one thing or one goal when it comes to, 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 to finances. So some of you in this place, you would say, well, well, my goal, my one thing is to provide for my family. I, I work hard. I want to earn money because I want to take care of my family. I want to provide for my family. And that, that's, a, that's a good goal. And, and, and it's one slice of the pie. But that, that, that can't be everything. That can't be the one goal. That can't be the one thing because, you know what, you can take care of your family and be very stingy to when, when it comes to other people and God. And so, and so that, that can't just be the one goal is just to provide to, for your family. That, that's too narrow of a goal. Some of you in this place would say, well, Herbert, I'm conservative. And my one goal when it comes to money is to save. I want to save, 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 save. I'm a saver to the max. And, and saving's a good thing. We ought to save, and it's one slice of the pie. But if that's your one thing, if that's your overall goal when it comes to, to the area of finances, that, that's too small of a goal because you can save, 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 save. But if that's all you live for, that's very selfish. That's very self-centered. That's just all about you. And, and so it has to be more than just save, 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 and me, 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 and think about me, 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 my future, my future. It's got to be bigger than that. Some of you would say, well, well my one thing, my, my goal is to spin, spin, spin. I just want to spin. I live to make money and spend it. And now most people wouldn't say, well, that's my one thing. But if somebody from another planet could look down on us at planet Earth and watch how many of us live our lives, they would say your number one thing when it comes to finances is to spin, spin, spin. And that's such a dangerous goal because people who live like this, they're upside down financially. They spend more than they make a month. They're up to their eyeballs in debt. They're just overwhelmed, stressed out to the max because they spend, 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 spend. That, 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 can't, that can't be 
the overarching goal for, for your finances. And, and today what, what I want to do is answer the question from Scripture of what should be our financial goal. What grid we, we should run all of our financial decisions through. I want to talk to you about that one thing. And the answer to the question that we're addressing today is the same in both the Old and the New Testament. And what I want to do is look at an Old Testament passage of Scripture, and I want us to learn what the one thing that we should be all about financially, what we should run every financial decision through, what our financial goal should be. I want us to look at First Chronicles chapter 29, beginning in verse number 11. Now, before I begin to read, let me give you some context to what's taking place in this portion of Scripture. David wants to build the Lord a temple. And, and God tells David, David, you can't build the temple. You've been a warrior. There's too much blood on your hands. Your son's going to build the temple. His name was, was Solomon. But David was still excited. He was still stoked about building the temple for the Lord. And he wanted to make all the preparations for his son. Man, the architects and, and the builders and, and all the supplies that were needed. And, and so David encouraged the people to give generously to build the temple. And, and the people gave generously. And David himself, scholars say, that out of his own personal wealth, he gave billions of dollars to the construction of, of the temple. And so what we see in this portion of scripture is David's prayer. He's just grateful to God and he prays this, this awesome prayer. And in this prayer, we find the one thing that our financial life should be all about. And the Bible says in verse number 11, yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. The first thing that I want you to see is David says, Lord, Everything belongs to you. Everything belongs to you. He goes on to say, yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. So he says, Lord, everything belongs to you. And now he just says, everything comes from you. Everything belongs to you and everything comes from you. He says, you are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, David, just here, he says, listen, God, you give the talent. You give the ability. You give the promotion. God, you're the one that gives the businesswoman or the businessman the, the ingenuity to rise to, the, to, to a high level in their profession. You, you give that kind of ability. In other words, David says, God, God, I'm where I am today. I'm a billionaire. I'm the king of all of Israel. I'm the king because you made me. Lord, you blessed me. You have done this for me. And some of David's close friends may have been thinking this. I can just imagine. Some of them are thinking, David, are you sure? I mean, David, you really believe that you have what you have and you are where you are. All because of God? Really? Because, David, David, I saw you. I remember when you were a shepherd boy for your daddy. And you were out there taking care of the sheep. David, you worked hard. I mean, you were a hard worker. David, I, I, remember, I remember when you went to work in King Saul's palace. And, man, you were faithful. You were always on time. You always did what was asked of you. You worked hard. I mean, David, I remember when you went out and you fought against this guy named Goliath. And you had a rock and a slingshot. I don't know where God was. I saw you, David. And, David, I saw you kill that big old nine-foot giant. Don't know where God was, but I saw you. 
And David, I mean, I remember, David, that King Saul wanted to kill you when you were anointed king, and you were running for your life. You were scared. You were hiding in caves. And David, I've seen your wisdom. David, I've seen how cunning and wise you were in battle, how you defeated your enemies. David, can I tell you, I saw you. I've seen how hard you work to get to where you are today. And you're telling me after all that work, after all you've done, after all that running for your life, that God did this? Come on, David. Give me a break. David said, no, 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 no. Here's David's response, verse 13. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name, verse 14. But who am I? I'm the king, but listen, who am I? Why, why should I think so highly of myself? He goes on to say, and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Now, notice what he says. Notice what he says. Everything comes from you, God, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. David says, God, everything belongs to you and everything comes from you. The psalmist says the same thing in Psalms 24 and verse number one. He says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. He says, everything belongs to God and everything comes from God. Now, let me tell you a little bit of my journey. When I gave my heart to Christ, I did not understand this truth. I didn't understand this principle in Scripture. When I grew up and grew up in church, I grew up in and around church, and many of you will be able to relate to my own story. Now, I grew up, here's what Christians taught me when I was growing up. They taught me that that 10% of what I earned belonged to the Lord. Give that to the Lord off the top. I was taught that. And then I, what they were teaching me was this. And the other 90%, you just do what you want. You see, you kind of pay off God with 10%, and then you just do what you want with the other 90%. You just get in consumer debt, rack up credit card, or you just do whatever. You, the other 90% is, is yours. And, and, and I fought that. And, and honestly, it's just been the last six or seven years that this truth has really rung true in my heart. And I begin to study the Old Testament, the New Testament, and the Bible says the same thing in both of them. Matter of fact, the New Testament says this. It says you're a steward. It says we're a manager. It says we're not an owner of, of anything. It says everything belongs to God. Everything comes from God. Our talents, our ability, our mind, our wisdom, our finances, everything that we have, it's on loan from God, and we're a manager of it. We're not an owner of it. And I begin to think, okay, 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 okay. If everything belongs to God and everything comes from God, God is not asking me to pay him off with 10% and then I can do whatever I want with the other 90%. No, if it all belongs to God and it all comes from God, what should my proper response be? Here's the response. Here's the one thing. Honor God. Honor God with all of it, not some of it. Honor God, not with a 10% of it, but honor God with everything. You see, every financial decision I make is a spiritual decision. And when you understand that, it changes everything. It changes how you manage money. It changes how you spend money. It changes how you view money. Because I'm no longer an owner. I'm a steward. And my goal is to honor God. The best way that I can illustrate this is if I let you borrow my car, and I'm not, so don't ask me. But if I did, if I, if I did, okay, you got to borrow my car, and you borrowed it for a couple of days. Now, how much of my car do I want you to honor? 
and you took my car, and you decided you're going to change a diaper in there. You know, the baby's poopy. I got to change the baby's diaper. And I changed, Pastor, I, I want you to know I'm bringing your car back, and I had to change the baby's diaper in your car, and the poo-poo fell on the floor. And my spouse didn't know poo-poo fell on the floor. And, and my spouse got in and got in there and smushed all the poo-poo in the carpet. And your car smells like baby poo-poo. And now, Pastor, I didn't clean it out, but I want you to know, listen, it's just 10% of the car. It's not that big a deal. It still runs really, really good. How many know I'm not happy? My car smells like your baby's poo-poo. I don't care how much you love your baby. Your baby's poo-poo stinks. And I'm not happy. I'm not happy. I mean, you know, you brought my car back to me. And you said, well, Pastor, you know, I got your car. And it wasn't that big of a deal. I was just kind of driving. It's not my car anyway. It's your car. So I didn't really care how I took care of it. And I got in a car wreck. And the, your fender got bent in. It got hit. And your fender's bent. And, Pastor, here's your car. But it's just 10% of it. It's not that big of a deal. It's just 10% of your car. But I'm telling you, I checked it. The engine still purrs like a little kitty cat. Purr. It'll drive really good. How many know that I'm not happy? You did not honor my car. Don't tell me about 10%. You should have honored 100% of my car. Listen, when I got married to my wife in 1997, I made a vow before God and before Tim. Tim was my father-in-law. Now, single men, let me tell you something. Nobody ever told you this. I want you to know now. Listen to me. Listen to me. When you get married on the altar... And you make a vow. You're not just making it before God. I don't care what they tell you. You're also making it to your father-in-law. Just listen. I'll save you some headache, okay? Now, now when, I, when I made the vow before God and my father-in-law, Tim, and I said these words, I, I promised to, to love you and to cherish you. And I said these words, I'm going to honor you till death do us part. And I wonder if my father-in-law, Tim, if he thought, I wonder what percentage he's going to honor my daughter. Maybe he just thought, just feed the girl. Just feed the girl and I'll be happy. That's not what he thought. He thought, boy, boy, you better take care of my daughter. You better honor her. You better cherish her. And not 10%. You better honor 100% of her. And God says, listen, listen, listen. Everything belongs to me. Everything comes from me. And your proper response is this. Honor me with all of it. And when you do that and you understand that, your stress level will begin to go down because you'll begin to make decisions you never made before and it'll put you in a whole different place financially. What I want to do for the next few moments, what I want to do for the next few moments, this message is not about giving. If you're here for the first time, oh, the preacher wants something. I don't want anything from you. I want something for you. I want your stress level to go down. I want to give you five keys to honoring God. Five keys to honoring God. Number one is this. Have a financial plan. Have a financial plan plan. Proverbs 27 and verse 23 says, riches can disappear fast. Everybody say, "Uh uh-huh. Yeah, you you know that. Riches can disappear fast and the king's crown doesn't stay in his family forever. So watch your business interests closely. And you do have a business. Your personal finances is your business. And he says, know the state of your flocks and your herds. Now, this was an agricultural society. Flocks and herds, that's how they made a living back then. And he says, you got to know your flocks. You got to know your herds. In the 21st century, we would say today, you got to know your bank account. You got to know what's happening in your checking account. You got to know what's happening in your personal finances. You got you to know. You got to have, have a plan. I, I said it to you like this last week. You got to be knowing where your money is. Uh-huh. 
Yeah, we did a little rap last week. I'm not going to do it again. But you got to be knowing where your money is going. I don't want you to raise your hand. I don't want you to respond vocally. I want you to think about this question. Did you do the assignment I gave you last week? And if you did the assignment, today you're sitting here and you're not going, where did the money go last week? Uh-uh. You go, that's where the money went. I know where it went because you began a financial plan this week. Dave Ramsey says, on paper, on purpose. On paper, on purpose. You got to be knowing where your money is going. You got to know what's coming in. You got to know what is going out. You have to have a financial plan. Without a financial plan for your finances, if you're just living life aimlessly when it comes to your finances, you're just roaming around, you cannot honor God. The Bible says this in Proverbs 21 and verse 5. The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. The plans, everybody say plans. Notice this, notice the plans, not hopes, not dreams, not good intentions. Oh, I got good intentions. Not, not, not intentions. The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste lead to poverty. Now, now part of your financial plan, you need to, your plan needs to include saving money for a rainy day. And it needs to be part of it, saving money for a rainy day. Three to six months of living expenses set aside for a rainy day. Dave Ramsey would suggest six months of living expenses. It's going to rain. There are difficult days that are going to happen. Now, I don't have time to dive into this today, but we're going to have a continuation of this message on Wednesday night. At our Wednesday night connection, we have awesome teaching, kids programs, youth programs. There's going to be snacks here. If you've never come, come this Wednesday night. Man, it's going to be an awesome time, and we're going to continue this whole teaching at, at, a, at a more in-depth level. We're going to look at this whole plan on Wednesday night. Now, now, now also a part of your plan, just a quick overview, your plan needs to include retirement, retirement. Some folks say, well, I don't plan on retiring. Okay, let me put, phrase it another way. When you get old enough where well, you can't work at the same pace, okay, how will you pay the bills? What kind of plan do you have? How will you pay the bills? You, you have to have a plan. The plans, not the hopes, not the intentions, not the dreams, the plans of the diligent. Your, your plan, your plan, your financial plan, it may need to include life insurance. Life insurance. Let me ask you a question. When you die, how will your family bury you? How will they bury you? Now, now, some of my family would say this. Just bury me in the backyard, Herbert. I would, but the state won't let me. Now what? Now what? I would put your sorry self in the backyard, but I can't. So what are we going to do now? Huh? Don't leave us with all that burden. I know you don't have no family members like I do, huh? Yeah, all your family's saying they all right, huh? And let me ask you another question. Let me ask you another question. How will your spouse and kids make it financially if they lost your salary and benefits? Think about it. You were gone at the picture tomorrow. You, how would your family make it financially without your salary and the benefits that you're bringing to the family? The Bible says this in Proverbs 13 and verse 22. A good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. In other words, he thinks about the future. He secures the future as best as possible. And some of the best advice that I could give you, depending on your season of life, is to get some life insurance. I'm not going to talk about amounts, how much, 
But you need to start thinking about what happens to you if you were to die, your family, your kids, the benefits. How can you help them? How can you be responsible? Take care of your children's children. Now, the way that I've done that when I got married to Tiffany, shortly after, I took out some life insurance on my life. And every kid that we've had, we've increased the life insurance. We have a life insurance policy out on Tiffany. Now, mine's a whole lot bigger than hers. Matter of fact, I'm more valuable to Tiffany dead than I am alive. Oh, yeah. How, that'll make you treat a sister nice. You know what I'm saying? Baby, I love you so much. You know what I'm saying? But, but, but here's what I'm saying. All I'm saying to you is, is you've got to think about the future. You cannot honor God and have no plan. You just can't. The plans of the diligent lead to profit. Number two is this. Number two is this honoring God, honoring God. You've got to conquer greed, conquer greed. You cannot honor God and your heart be full of greed. Jesus said in Luke chapter 12 and verse 15 through 21, it says, then he said to them, watch out. And when Jesus says, watch out, we need to pay attention to what he's getting ready to say. He says, watch out. And then he says kind of a, uh, just drives it home anymore, even more. He says, be on your guard. Why? Against all kinds of greed. And greed can come in so many shapes and forms. It says a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them this parable. And what Jesus begins to do is he gives, begins to give an example of what greed looks like. He says the ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. I got plenty of food. I'm wealthy. My barns are full. And now I've got some more stuff, some more crops. What am I going to do? Verse 18. Then he said, this is what I will do. I'll, I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my food and my goods. And I will say to myself, you have plenty. I'm not thinking about anything else, but I have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? You only thought about yourself. Verse 21, this is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself. Nothing wrong with storing up for yourself. Nothing wrong with thinking about your retirement. Nothing wrong with getting a savings account. But the issue here is you're storing up things for yourself, but you're not rich toward God. And we read this story and we think, how could someone be so selfish? How could this man, so wealthy, think he's going to tear down his barns and build even bigger ones and only think about himself? And it's easy to condemn this man, but, but, but here's the raw reality. Most of us in this place, we can relate to this man because we're a lot like this man. Matter of fact, here's the, here's the raw reality. Most of us in this place, we don't have a clue of how much greed is in our heart. Can I tell you, it's hard, it's hard to see greed in the mirror. Most people will never look in the mirror on Monday morning and go, I'm greedy. It's hard to see greed in the mirror. We dress it all up in all kinds of way to justify it. Most of us in this place, we, we, we think we're more generous than we really are. Here's my assignment for you. Here's, here's my assignment. Here's what I would encourage you to do this week. I, I think it will be very helpful to you. Here's what I would encourage you to do. This week, I want you to sit down and not get a dollar amount. I want you to get a percentage amount of what you give away. How much do you spend on yourself and your family? And then how much 
do you give away to be generous to others? I want you to get a percentage amount, and some of you will be shocked because you think you're more generous than you really are. You see, we think throwing a 20 in the offering plate, I mean, you know, hey, I took my coworker out to eat last week. Hey, back in January when Haiti had the devastating earthquakes, I sent over $100, and we think we're, we're really generous, and, and yet many of us, we, we sat down and actually got a percentage amount of what we give away. Many would be shocked at how much you only think about yourself. And so God says, God says, here's, here's the deal. You want to kick greed in the teeth? You got to learn to be rich towards God. That's, that's one of the reasons. You know what about the tithe and offering, returning 10% and giving offerings above the tithe? One of the reasons that God says that he's not trying to get anything from us. He realizes what greed does to us. And we got to be generous towards God or greed will consume our life. And some of you know what I'm talking about. Greed has consumed your life and you're upside down financially. And you spend more than you make every month. And you're racking up your credit card debt. And you get some new ones for Christmas time. You can't wait to go shopping after church today. And, and you're stressed out. Because greed, greed, greed's hard to see in the mirror. But if you sit down and look at your percentages, you'll say, wow. Not only am I spending 99% of myself, I'm spending 120%. I'm spending what I don't have called debt for me. And church, I have to be honest with you, I struggle with this, just like you do. I struggle with greed. I struggle with wanting newer, shinier, bigger, faster. I struggle with it. Now, my, my, my wife struggles with it a whole lot more. I mean, I, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just playing. I, I, struggle, I struggle with thinking about my family, just my family. I struggle with thinking about my kids and my wife and my stuff and my mama. I, I my wife, and I, we struggle with this. And you know how we kick greed in the teeth? Because we realize our hearts, man, I'm telling you what, they're, 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 they're deceptive. And the way that my wife and I do it is we plan out our generosity. We plan it out. We sit down at the beginning of the year. We, we, we review it monthly. We sit down and we say, you know what? We're going to give 10% to the Lord. We, we, we've always done that. We, we've always returned the tithe. And we actually have a category in our budget. You can, you can ask my wife. She, she can testify to this. We have a category in our budget that just says offering. Above our tithe, how much money, what percentage are we going to set aside to be generous to other people? Right, it's not about, about the church. It's, it's about helping people. And maybe somebody's in need. Maybe we see a homeless person. Maybe somebody in our church family is struggling and we can help pay bills. And, and, and so, so, so we just set aside a percentage because we know if we don't plan it, we know that we naturally think about, I, you, you may be different, but I naturally think about me, mine, and ours. You know what? Jesus says, you know what? If you're going to honor me because you are being greedy with what I blessed you, it's not even yours. Everything belongs to me. And it comes from me. And if you're going to honor me, you've got to kick greed in the teeth. Generosity. Number three is this. There, there's a, 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 third, a third key to honoring God. Honoring God. Number three is this. Get a debt reduction strategy. A debt reduction strategy. The, the Bible says in Psalms 37 and verse 21, the wicked borrow and do not repay, but the righteous give generously. Here's what I want you to catch here. Please don't miss this. If you go and you get yourself into debt, and you have no strategy, no intention, no plan to repay it, you are not honoring God. The wicked borrow and do not 
repay. Oh, I can't wait for Christmas. Boy, I got me a new car in the mail, 42% interest. But I don't care. I'm going to get the kids some new toys. And forget them kids. I'm going to get me some toys too, you know. And you don't pay it back. I'm going to upgrade the car, you know, because you can upgrade the car tomorrow, some of you. Just go get some more debt. You can upgrade your standard of living, your house, what you watch, what you wear. You can upgrade it tomorrow with a little debt. And you have no strategy, no intention to repay it. You cannot honor God that way. And I can't wait for next week. I'm going to talk to you and teach you about this thing called debt. Because you know what debt does to me and does to you? It chokes the life out of us. Some of you know what I'm talking about today. You're here and it's choking you. The stress, the pressure. Robbing Peter to pay Paul. How am I going to pay the credit card bill off? And I got to get the kids more presents and the car payment. And it's choking the life out of you. And next Sunday, we're going to talk about this. In a life-giving way, we're going to get some biblical answers so that you can have less stress. Number four is this. There's a fourth thing that I want you to see. If you're going to honor God, if you're going to honor God, you got to take care of your family. Take care of your family. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse number 8, if anyone does not provide for his relatives... And especially for his immediate family, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Here's what I want you to catch here is is according to the Bible, everything belongs to God and everything comes from God. And you and I, we cannot honor God if we don't take care of our spouse and our kids. And it's a sad thing in our society today that there are dads and moms that only think about themselves. And they'll go upgrade and get the new flat screen TV and their kids will have their needs met. They'll go get a, another car, and the car they got is fine, it's working, but they got to upgrade to compete with somebody else. And the kids, their needs are not met. The heat goes off. The kids get neglected. And the Bible says this, the Bible says this, you cannot honor God and not provide for your immediate family. If you're going to honor God, you got to take care of your kids. You got to take care of your spouse. And friends, can I tell you, some of you in this place, the application for you is you got to pay your child support. you got to honor God. Take care of those kids. Well, I'm not with the mama no more. I don't care. You had them babies. You had them babies. You did it. Oh, yeah. And you've got, you got to man up. Because if you're going to listen, everything belongs to God and everything comes from God. And it changes the way you think. And now your motivation is not more, more, more. Save, save, save. Your motivation, how do I honor God with all of the stuff that's already his? Number five is this. Number five is this. Number five is this. Number five is resolve financial tension. Resolve financial tension. And as I planned and studied this week, I realized that some of you in this place are dealing with tension and problems in your home due to finances. You're arguing, you're fussing, you're fighting. Matter of fact, some of you fought on the way to church over, over money issues. Some of you are the exact opposite. You, you, there, there's issues in the home financially, and you don't even talk about it. You know, it's the big elephant in the room, but you pretend like it's not there. We're just not going to talk about it. I know we don't know how we're going to pay our bills. But we're not going to talk about it. Just eat your chili and I'll eat my chili. We're not going to talk about it. And you just pretend like it's, it's not there. Some of you in this place, you're holding a grudge. You're bitter. You're mad at your spouse. 
For some of you, you know what? Your spouse did do the wrong thing, and they made a bad decision. They kept something from you. They, they, they lied. They, they did something wrong. But can I tell you what? If you don't resolve financial tension, you cannot honor God. And you're bitter, and you're mad, and you're hostile. And some of you, some of you in this place, your marriage is on the verge of divorce. And the root of the problem is money issues. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 12, in verse number 18, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, everybody shout you. Notice that now. Notice that. Because what some of you are doing right now, you're thinking, I hope you're listening to this. Rolling your eyes, looking at him, looking at her. Hope you're listening to the preacher today. I'm glad we came to church. I hope you're getting something out of this. You know you're not doing the right thing. Sick and tired of you anyways. Listen to this preacher. Knock you up. What? 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 And I want you to hear what the Bible says. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, everybody shout you. Live at peace with everyone. For all of my studious people, the word everyone in the Greek means everyone, including your spouse. Yeah, live at peace with them. And you cannot honor God and not resolve financial tension. You can't do it. You can't do it. The Bible says this in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 26 and 27. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Do not hold on to the bitterness. Do not hold on to the grudge. Talk about the financial issues. Because if you don't, what happens, Pastor? If I go to bed night after night, month after month, year after year, with this financial tension in our marriage, with this arguing and bitterness and, and, and resentment, what happens? Verse 27, do not give the devil a foothold. And you do that. You're giving enemy access to reap, to reap havoc in your marriage. And he's causing chaos, trouble, and problems because night after night, you go to bed and you don't deal with the financial tension. And you cannot honor God. And some of you, you're arguing and you're saying, well, Pastor, we argue, but it's not over money. But some of you are arguing about, about everything else, the boss and the kids and the dog and your father-in-law, your mother-in-law. But if you really get to the root of the problem, I mean the real root, for some of you, it's unresolved money issues. Some of you today, you need to forgive. I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but you got to resolve the financial tension. Some of you today, you need to go see a marriage counselor. There's some deep issues you need to work through with your spouse. Come on, don't throw it, don't throw it away. Don't, don't give up. Go, go, go work it out. We, we can recommend some places to, that, that we, you can get some help. Some of you need to go see a financial advisor. You need to go sit down with a financial advisor and say, we've blown it. We're upside down. We're messed up. We need some help. We're stressed out and our marriage is suffering. And you need some, you need some, you need some help. You need some help. If you don't resolve financial tension, you cannot honor your heavenly father. Everything belongs to God, and everything comes from God. How do I honor God with all of it? Lord, thanks for your word. Thanks for your presence. Thank you that you work with us.